Well, good morning. So can anyone tell us who's going to win the football game tonight? Um, I wish that I could say that I follow football enough to have a good idea of which way to lean, but I didn't even know who was going to be playing until I invaded the snack table at school this week, and there were two napkins with the teams on the front. So it's the only reason that I know who's even in it. But anyways, also happy Valentine's Day weekend. Um, I hope all of you have felt loved in some way recently. The original path for today was to speak about love and relationships and how to love one another and to show God's love to each other. But I felt like God kept pulling my heart back to two words. And these two words were worth and purpose. So to start off, I'd like to ask to do something for me. Would you please take a minute and look at someone next to you and tell them what is your favorite Bible story or your favorite parable that you have heard? Just take a minute and tell your neighbor. Let me take a second to think of one. Here's some whisperings. <laughs> Well, every Bible story holds truth and a lesson that can be applied to our lives. I was raised in church, and from a very early age, I can remember learning about the Bible and all the beautiful stories and all the wonderful parables. My Sunday school teacher's name was Dave, and Dave was a great teacher. He always used visuals and props, and he was just a dynamic speaker, someone who you just wanted to listen to, and I love that. And the combination of hearing those Bible stories, getting into the Word, and the unwavering faith of a family that I had at home, I saw that rock-solid relationship with God, and I wanted that too. I wanted to experience that. I wanted to feel that. I believed the Bible, as I still do. And one of my favorite parts of the Bible, one story that I love to read, is the story of creation. The Bible beautifully describes how God took time to design heaven and earth, the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, waters of the sea and every green plant that was created to multiply and grow. And then there was man, humankind made in the image of God. So many times God said, it is good. Some things that we may see as ordinary, like a plant growing at the side of the road, was created by God. And he said, it is good, over and over again. He does not create ordinary things. There is beauty and complexity designed by a divine being. So fast forward from an elementary Sunday school student to 18, graduating high school. When I arrived at college, as you may know, I started my education to become a teacher. I love science, so my focus was science, which allowed me to take extra science classes in college. One of my science classes went into theories of how our universe, galaxy, and ultimately Earth began. And you know I know the story of creation, so my ears are turned on. One theory is that there was a spontaneous accidental explosion that caused rapid expansion and atoms and particles began forming. And stars and planets, as we know today, eventually got here. Eventually, this accident resulted in intelligent humankind. My argument was not necessarily with science, but against taking God out of the picture and the word accident inserted. If we take God out of creation story, does that mean we're just an accident? There was no planning involved, if that was true. There was no purpose, if that was true. The stars were an accident, the planets were an accident, plants and animals were an accident, and ultimately, humanity being an accident. 
Not sure about how you feel about that, but I refuse to accept that. We were not just born to wait around for a pine box. We do not exist for nothing, to live for nothing, and die for nothing. There's no floating around. There's nothing more beautiful than the love that God has for us. And in that love, he gave us worth and purpose. We have a very specific design for this life. And God is creative. Therefore, does not make ordinary things. I hope my title at first didn't throw you off because we're not ordinary. I would like to start this morning with worth. How many have ever seen the TV sitcom Home Improvement? I see a few hands. If you have not heard of it, it's a comedy about a man named Tim. Within the sitcom, he is the host of a home improvement tool show, and he is always making mistakes and blowing things up. Usually when he tries to do a home improvement project, his sidekick, Al, is the one following behind fixing everything for him. Tim just never quite gets it right. It switches back and forth between the show and Tim's, I guess you would say, real life with his wife and three boys, where his story is somewhat similar. He never quite gets it right. There's always a lesson to learn in the end. So this was a show I grew up watching, watching a show that combined humor and wit with any life lesson seemed to be a great way to spend some of my downtime. The actor Tim Allen was also a favorite in my house. Austin started watching reruns after watching a couple episodes with my husband, Corey. I was recently watching Home Improvement with him. And in this particular episode, Tim was struggling with feeling of not being good enough. In this episode, the guest star actor, another show, Bob Vila, from the television show This Old House. Any of you have seen that one? Which would be considered a rival television do-it-yourself show. Tim and Bob had been going head-to-head -head in challenges and competitions, and Bob Vila always seemed to just come out ahead. Bob had higher television ratings. He was more popular with the live audience. Bob even sold for more money at a handyman auction. They were auctioning the handyman off to come and do whatever you wanted at their house. And then Bob was even bragging that his hot rod car was faster than Tim's car. And if you know the show, Tim is all about his cars. Well, also in the show is seemingly wise neighbor. His name is Wilson. And Tim always finds a moment to gather advice from his neighbor from across the backyard fence. Tim explained that he felt hurt, and he was just not good enough, and he never seemed to be able to win at anything. Bob Vila always seemed to be better. And Wilson's response, of course, he takes time to listen and to think about what's being said to him, and his response was, when a foot compares itself to a yard, it's always going to come up short. And I always love this tidbit of life advice from Wilson, but I felt that this was a bit of a connection to how many of us may feel sometimes. Just not good enough. Do we compare ourselves to others and think that one is better than the other? Do we overlook that God makes us each unique and for a unique purpose? Do we wonder what our worth is and why we are here? If you would, please join me in your Bible and turn to Psalm 139. I'll be looking at 13 through 17. I'll also have it on the screen. While you're turning there, I want to ask a few questions for us to ponder. Has the enemy ever whispered in your ear, you're not good enough? Have you ever felt like you've had little worth? These thoughts can become overwhelming. If any of you are like me, those thoughts can and will creep in more than one time in your life. And if we let them, if we let the enemy and those thoughts 
can come in and destroy our confidence. It can strip away our joy and direct us down a path that is not aligned to the purpose that God has created for our lives. It can make us feel very unloved or unwanted or even make us feel somewhat meaningless. So back to Psalm 139. I think the imagery that David uses is so beautiful in these verses. In Psalms 139, 13 through 17 says, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. So let's take a closer look together. And if anyone is sitting out there thinking that they are less than important or an accident, these verses lead us to know otherwise. Verse 13 says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. You here is defined as God. So I want to dwell on the description here for a moment. There are two definitions of the word knit. One is to make by interlocking loops of wool or other yarn with knitting needles. And two is to unite or cause to unite. God caused you as a human to come together in a very delicate, intricate, and intentional manner. It was not just a snap of God's fingers or an accident. I think knitting is quite the process. Maybe some of you, some of you have done it. My sister used to do arm knitting. It's where you do the knitting with your arms. That didn't last very long because it got very complicated. It really is a beautiful process. Watching someone do it is amazing. People can make anything from socks to a blanket to a hat. A pile of thread, that's just a pile, can be created into nearly anything that one could imagine. I even watched someone on Instagram knit their soup noodles. Why? Who knows? But it was still fascinating. Each path of fabric is called a course. Each course of loops systematically secure the loops below it and so on. So each new loop is pulled through a loop from the prior row and placed on a gaining needle. So then the loops from the prior row can be pulled off the needle without unraveling to create a web of a mess. Any piece made in this manner takes time and patience and ultimately has a purpose in mind. So just think about this for a moment in our lives. Every loop, every fiber of our existence was carefully knit by God, your creator. Your personality, knit by God. Our desires, knit by God. Our gifts, knit by God. Our talents and how our brains are wired, knit by God. Our purpose, knit in by God. We are made by God, and God does not make ordinary things. In verses 14, 15, it says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The meaning fearfully here is not the same as what we may think. Fearfully, when translated from Hebrew in this text, means with great reverence heartfelt, with interest and respect, 
We are respectfully defined by God. God has an interest in our lives when, he, when we were created by him. God put his heart into the creation of something that he loves, us, you. And as I stated earlier, God does not make ordinary things. Let's take a look at verse 16 and 17 then. And that says, Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! We see here that before our lives even start, before our parents even planned for us, before even our first breath, God made a plan. He made a thoughtful plan. We see that God envisioned all that we are capable of. He sees us and loves us so much. He needs and wants us to decide to be a piece of that big puzzle that fits into the body of Christ by asking the Holy Spirit to live in and through us. God believes we are worthy of that plan and it is up to us to choose to accept it. God loves us and created us with purpose. So why am I here? What is my purpose? How do I find that clarity? I've heard those questions before. Sometimes I think we make a mistake by judging the titles of our professions or the life work that we have chosen. I was listening to a pastor named Louis Giglio. I like his last name. He was giving a sermon about purpose. And he said that maybe some of us feel like the only way we can do the work of God is if our job title includes words like pastor, evangelist, or missionary. Then the rest of us are just considered in the secular world or the business world. And possibly dismissing our God-given gifts and purpose that we already have. Or are we constantly searching for our purpose and never seem to find it because we overanalyze what God has already given us? We just read that God created us with intention. God wired us to think the way that we do, to be unique individuals and have a place in the body of Christ. So what is that place? The place is with God at the center hub. Another pastor named Mike Bro said to not let God just be another spoke on your wheel. So you have your job spoke, your friends spoke, your family spoke, and God spoke. No, God created us to be the hub of our lives. Everything else can revolve around God. When God is there at the center, there is where we can find our worth. There is where we can find our purpose. This again is where prayer and the word of God comes in. Has something ever stirred inside of you, something you love to do, something that you're already good at that gets you really excited? Do you think that passion could possibly come from God? Maybe you are pursuing that passion now. This could be your job or your profession, or this could be something maybe that you enjoy doing on the side. I want to take a look back into the Bible in Colossians. 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here in this verse, we have a very complicated word that we should take a look at. The word whatever. In my research, it seems to mean whatever. <laughs> it shows no restriction, no matter what. In this explanation, the idea is not to make God's purpose for our lives seem less, 
but it illustrates that our passions and gifts that we already have deserve more credit. We are where we are in life for a reason, as long as we're doing it for the glory of our Lord and Savior. If your passion is teaching, teach. If your passion is building things with your hands, build. If your passion is budgeting, budget. If your passion is serving people in a restaurant, serve them. If your passion is plumbing, do it. I was going to say plumb, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> if your passion is being in management, be a great boss. If your passion is daycare, care for those kids and their families. Embrace your passions and embrace your differences. Our purpose is to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us use our gifts in the whatever that we do. Our calling may be to become a pastor. Our calling may be to go into the mission field. Our calling may also be to care for our neighbors. Romans 12, 4 through 8 says, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we are many. We are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. As we get to know one another as the body of Christ, encourage one another in their gifts. Again, embrace our differences. According to a devotional titled Unleash the Fivefold Spiritual Gifts, spiritual gifts are designed to equip our churches, to build relationships, to unite the members of our churches, to protect believers from the enemy, to mature us to be more Christ-like, to orchestrate in order to work together and to do all of this in love. As we are going about our daily lives, as we are following our passions and doing things that we are good at, there is nothing stopping us from sharing the truth of God's word. There is nothing keeping us from being on fire to share the gospel and to minister to others. There is nothing keeping us from educating others on the Bible. Explaining the truth and the way of life as desired by Jesus. There is nothing keeping us from being a shepherd and leading others out of trouble. Leading others away from thieves and wolves and making people feel cared for. There is nothing keeping us from serving others and giving with a generous heart. In 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. When we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, and we learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit when our gifts are revealed to us, we will be able to radiate God's love. God's love will be felt by anyone around us, in any profession that we have, in any job that we are doing, as long as that's first on our mind. Radiate God's love in all situations. Radiate God's love in a way that people want to know what you have, because something about your heart is beautiful. God does not create ordinary things, and when we choose to give our lives to God, 
give our lives to our creator, we activate that purpose that God has for our lives that was already knit there. We are sometimes told by the world that we came from nothing, that all of this life was just an accident. However, today I want to remind everyone that we have worth and that we have purpose and that God designed it that way because God does not create ordinary things. Everyone join me for a prayer. May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use those gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be confident knowing you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, and praise and love. It is there for each and every one of us. In the Lord's name, amen.